Hey, kids, do you like wrestling? Well, we like wrestling, too. We are Shake Them Ropes here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Myself and Chris Novembrino kind of doing a lazy river of wrestling criticism, going through the news and whatever happened in stateside television wrestling. And also, you know what? Sometimes we just like to watch old stuff and talk about that, too. Love for you to give us a listen. If you haven't already, we are Shake Them Ropes here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to Open the Voice Gate for May 30th, 2023. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network feed or on the Open the Voice Gate feed on all podcast platforms and applications. If you would like to support the show, click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to our redcircle.com landing site. You could set up for a one-time or recurring donation by clicking the red sponsor of this podcast button. No obligation whatsoever, but we would like to thank all of our previous donors. And you can follow us on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. I'm one of your hosts. It's your old pal, Mike Spears. Joined alongside, as always, Case Low. In Case, it is the 30th of May. We are now two days after perhaps the most tumultuous night of home box office viewing. How are you holding up? I'm doing great. Now, question for you off the bat. You'll know the answer to this. Obviously, HBO Max, which was HBO Go, which I think also had a brief phase as HBO Now, is Max. Is the channel HBO, is that also Max now, or is that still HBO? So I totally get the confusion there because something similar is happening right now with Showtime. HBO, Home Box Office Network, is still HBO on the cable box. But Showtime is turning into showtime with the paramount plus and it's gonna and they're basically putting all the paramount plus stuff now on showtime with like the three showtime shows anyone ever watches i was just about to ask what's even on showtime i don't know what their marquee programming is right now billions oh oh okay all right well that 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 didn't sell me on the network that's that's not the design reaction that i think any network exec wants to hear i go what's on there billions 
Oh, okay. All right, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> I, I, I mean, and, and they're doing like all these spinoffs of like Billions. I mean, Billions gets like pretty solid viewership, even for like it. I wouldn't say it's like a Yellowstone like thing where it had like the highest views in television and then people weren't talking about it because of what the kind of show it was. And then suddenly everything was all about Yellowstone. It just kind of keeps on trucking. Like it gets about like a million viewers or close to it. Oh God. I just saw that one of their, one of their episodes recently since maybe billions is, is on the way down. I'm looking at the viewership numbers case and, Maybe they need to find out the next thing to do with Bobby Billions. What's the show that The Rock is on? Ballers? Ballers. Okay, I thought he was on Billions. I was like, there's no way The Rock did a Showtime show. No, I think he's is, pretty is heavily. Is Ballers still a thing? Ballers <laughs> is well, concluded in 2019. This was pre-COVID case. The show ended four years ago. A series centered around a group of football players and their families, friends, and handlers. That's simple enough. Okay. Yep. Uh, Peter Berg. I wonder what Peter Berg is up to. What's the last thing, Peter? Uh, that's, a, that's a show. Did we talk about Entourage on this show? Because I just recently went through Entourage for the first time. Oh, no. We have not talked about Entourage. Dude, I've Entourage got... kicks ass. Like, in a real way where I watch the show, and I'd like to think of myself as a pretty self-aware guy... And I watched every season and was like, no, this is just a good television show. Like the things that this show has been made fun of for on one hand. Okay. I get it. It's a, it's a show about powerful men. We want to beat it down a little bit. I'm, I'm game for that. That makes sense. But also this, there's just good programming here. I think it's something that it was such like a, I, I don't know how much do you remember Entourage like with your age, like when it came on? Like I, I knew nothing about it in real time. I remember the movie being a big deal, mainly just because I remember reading those reports of like, God, they really want Ronda Rousey to be in this movie, but she's terrible. Like right, they have to reshoot yeah. every scene she does. And that was like a thing with like her in that one Fast and Furious movie that like the, she could not act. And they basically was like, all right, we're just going to have like a you do three lines of dialogue and do a fight scene. And that's what we can get out of you. But like it was something that I think that like when you look at a show like Entourage, like very much in that like post 9-11 cultural moment in a way like it, it, it in a weird way, like not getting completely off kilter. Uh I think it's like the last like Bush era TV show in a way that that like that's, accurately that's interesting. reflects yeah. that time because like I look at the show and yeah, it's, you know, eight years it goes into Obama administration, but like, I feel like culturally it is like a Bush administration show. And I feel like, yeah, the, the last of season of that there. show is not talking about the impending financial crisis. Even the the last season, they're still living the good life. Right, yeah, and, and it's just like the vestiges of like really the the cultural stone really would be the Great Recession more so than nine eleven. Like it, it was a life that existed up until that moment, and now fourteen years since the show went off the air, you take a step back, and it's like no, that's that was a before times. I, I enjoy the show from the perspective of as somebody who works entertainment industry adjacent in my real job, watching whenever Vince had a movie, the rollout for it and the production of it, 
So I was like, oh, so that's what a budget looks like. That doesn't exist anymore in the entertainment industry. Everything is just done for as, as cheap as possible, and there's no central form of media. So there's I, you can only promote things so much. It's like, oh, this looks like so much fun to have a blockbuster movie that isn't just a, a franchise that's existed for 20 years. I That aspect of it, I think for people like you and I, and I think for the people that enjoy the first 10 minutes of this podcast normally, that's a reason to rewatch Entourage is just the different media landscape that we now live in. You know, it's actually the great compare and contrast with this theory case. What's that? And this will have a delightful bit of corporate synergy as this is a show that's on Max as well. Have you ever seen the other two? Yes. Uh, with Drew Tarver, right? Yes. With Drew Tarver. I, yeah. It, I, I really like that show. Yeah. Yeah. In that way that Entourage inhabits a world that culturally does not exist like hollywood doesn't has not been that way pretty much since that moment like the idea of okay you have like these all-powerful studio heads like they exist but now it's more of like the media magnet it's not like an already gold like figure like running production that doesn't really matter at all anymore however the idea of the influencer based hollywood through the uh, chase dreams and pat dubeck on the, like the other two like that's much more accurate from my understanding of what the media industry is now yeah it's it's bad i mean even on even on my level and the way that i work it's it's very bad and depressing and i don't i don't like a lot of the stuff that happens but what i do like and we have a lot of Dragon Age stuff to talk about. I'm actually fired up for this episode. I have a number of questions for you. I have a number of topics I want to get to. Even if the Osaka show wasn't great this weekend, I, I think there's a lot of things we can talk about from it. But we do, of course, uh, more, more than Dragon Gate, we're here to talk about the series finale of Barry. Uh, big picture thoughts coming out of it. You have the table, Mike. So, Barry, unfairly, you know, in the undertow of secession is like what well, was like the thing i was thinking about because i knew we were going to talk a, a little bit about the finale before we got into dragon gate stuff today case and it's just so interesting like you had the, the show that was a perceived cultural force in in secession when really it's the, when you look at the viewership numbers that doesn't necessarily line up there that kind of in a lot of ways i mean spoilers whatever uh went very very safe with their finale, whereas Barry has spent the last four years being willing to put their characters to the meat grinder and do things with genuine surprise in their finale, I think they had like an absolute tour de force with it. I, I, I thought that the Barry season finale was the best thing I watched on Sunday, including Double or Nothing. I, I don't know if I said it here or if I said it somewhere else, but through four seasons of Barry... It, it was the most rewarding viewing experience I have had as a television viewer in a very long time and maybe ever. And the finale was not the best episode of the series, but it was every bit as satisfying as I could have hoped it would be. Really not knowing what was going to happen with Fuchs, the rare interactions that we got between Hank and Sally, I thought those were riveting. The end with... Uh, with Gene and Barry, wonderful stuff there. Great comedic, uh, you know, this the show had a, uh, had a real knack for making funny things happen in violent moments, and I thought that was another scenario. And then spoilers ahead, but 
the eventual movie production of Barry's life and how they get the story wrong and they glorify this violent killer and throw Gene Cousineau under the bus. It was demented. It was hilarious. It was exactly what I wanted from this show. I, I really, it was a chef's kiss of five star finale. Yeah, I think the best episode of the show was Ronnie Lilly, the episode where Barry tries to kill a Taekwondo master. Yeah, I, that, that, that is certainly that, that was the peak of that show from a cultural standpoint. I, I right. think people really latched onto that as as the episode, which is funny because I always liked the episode before it a little bit more where Barry confronts Sally's ex and accidentally almost shoots Sally in the hotel room. And then there's the great scene with Detective uh, uh, John Locke, and he gets Barry in the hotel room and is recording Barry and Fuchs' conversation. And it looks like this, you know, another one of those moments where it looks like Barry is is out of luck and that his diabolical ways are going to stop here. And then the detective turns around and goes, you got to kill the guy that's sleeping with my wife and I'll let all of this go. And I, when that happened in real time, it was the biggest, I you know, the episode is called What? Because that's what Barry yells at the end of it. And I'm on my couch going, what the fuck? Like, how, how did they just do this? This is demented. Yeah, and by, like, having these turns early in the show, it then enables you to, to like, just compare and contrast. Secession, everything was kind of on rails, you know? Like, I, I Case, were you much of a Secession watcher? I've never seen it. I, I'm going to go back hopefully very soon and just watch it all from the beginning. It's always a show that's looked very interesting to me. I've just never sat down and watched it. Well, the, the thing with secession is secession without getting deep into spoilers. They did their big swing very early in this season and their final season. Whereas Barry kept on doing those swings. Like the equivalent was the killing of Cristobal and the time jump. They did that much earlier. And then although there were things that were happening and the characters were reacting in a way, there weren't character changes in the way that I I mean the the person at the end getting the the biggest bit of redemption Sally just in, in, in a way like finally learning or, or finally like accepting herself and this and then uh, because like the, the the final like fast forward with Sally and John and then with the movie of Barry and Jean's life just the way that they pulled that off I thought like that was incredibly fitting and especially. For Carrie, like a character like Sally, who I read in an interview with the actor who portrays her, like very aware of Sally, like playing off of tropes and with like these kind of characters in prestige television. Yeah, I really am curious to see what she does next. I hope she just doesn't go back to the theater because that's her background. I would like to see her on television again because, especially seasons one and two, I thought she was the star of the show. I mean, she really. She was an unknown. I, I, I don't know if she had ever done television before Barry. I think she had just done theater work and, I, you know, I blown away by her. And I, obviously we talked last week about, you know, dark hair Sally, this just borderline strung out alcoholic Oklahoma Sooner diner waitress. And I was like, oh, OK, there's something there's something there. That I didn't know I like this is good stuff. And uh, she sticks the landing as well. Again, it's. It's one of those shows. I, I feel like I've been doing a press tour on it just in my own life. But if if you have not seen Barry, it, it is now all over. And I, I cannot recommend season season one, episode one through uh, the end of season four. I cannot recommend it enough. Absolutely. And in that interview case, rest assured, uh, 
uh, Sarah Goldberg is in the next season of Industry on HBO. So okay, she good. is doing TV still. She's not going straight back to theater. Good. I, I, I had about a year and a half where I really wasn't watching any TV and I'm back in. I'm I'm looking for looking for shows. Uh, I a new season of I think you should leave came out today. Haven't got to that yet. I've been rewatching on our lovely streaming service Max. I I learned they have every episode of Deadliest Catch on there, and I've rifled through the first season and a half of Deadliest Catch over the last few days. That is uh, that is good stuff, Mike. Have you ever a Deadliest Catch viewer? Uh, I I feel like that there was a time that everyone was a Deadliest Catch that, viewer. Yeah, that's kind of my thought, and I don't know ratings wise you know if it was a giant hit for discovery but i i watched it in real time for a few years with my parents and now going back i'm a little shocked at how much crab fishing knowledge i retained i'm like following this show pretty closely even though these episodes happened at this point almost 20 years ago yeah it it was something that i i I remember when one of the uh, crab boat captains dies like that was like well, that was like a thing. The, the show that I found myself going back through is and watching for the first time, and I'm not going to try to offer a defense for it. It's tremendous content. Is Vanderpump Rules? Oh, I mean, you you don't need to defend it. It's the you know number one thing on cable. Yeah, I I I had to sit. I was sitting down with my partner and her sister, wanting to watch the finale of the 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 big scandal. And from that, I was like, okay, that this is in a lot of ways it's kind of pro wrestling and i found myself going back and now i'm like through season three of vanderpump rules that's good stuff yep but you know it's also good stuff case we have a main event we are four weeks out from dragon gate's biggest show of the year kobe world pro wrestling wrestling festival 2023 on july 2nd and we've been speculating really for since dead or alive what will be the main event in this non-traditional 2023 well the after the main event of dragon gate show in osaka on sunday the main event being d courage versus gold class madoka kakuda nominated his challenger for dead uh, for kobe world in case i'm going to give you the floor now you called this one take i gotta take i i gotta take a victory lap here you know uh if you've listened to this show through 2023 in january i came on i said Yuki Oshioka's had a wonderful reign. It's going to end at the hands of Shun Skywalker. That was an unpopular opinion at the time, or at least a uh, a bit of a hot take in terms of Dragon Gate booking. Shun Skywalker wins the belt. A lot of people go, okay, we're doing Shun versus KZ. I said, no, 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 no. We're doing Shun versus Madoka Kakuta, dead or alive. That has to be the match. That is the match. They ended up doing that match. By the time we got to that match, I was saying, I think Kakuta has to win this. And I wasn't there at the beginning, but by the end, by the, the the time that build came to be, and I saw how hot Kakuta still was, it was very clear to me, okay, Kakuta's got to win the Dreamgate belt. That he did. And coming out of Dead or Alive, I started looking at the roster and, you know, okay, well, Kobe Worlds in two months, earlier this year than normal, at the beginning of July. They, they got to do something. You know, he's got to defend the Dreamgate belt somehow. What's he going to do? What's the biggest match on the table uh, and it became very obvious to me, especially after the post main event promo at Dead or Alive when they they nominated the new big six. Obviously, Yamada was not included in that. And I thought, God, I think they're going to do Kakuta versus Yoshioka. And they are. They are going to do that July 2nd Kobe World Hall main event of the biggest show of the year. I think it's the biggest match Dragon Gate has with their current roster. Let me ask you. 
how do you feel about the way they got to it with Kakuta challenging Yoshioka? The, the way I laid this out, the way that I thought it would happen, it would be Yoshioka stepping up to the plate and going heel-ish against his partner, Kakuta. Not the case here. Kakuta says, I, I want a challenger and I want it to be Yuki Yoshioka. I, it, I'm of two minds because you're absolutely right. Unequivocally, unless they were going to see if Mr. Nakamori was willing to pony up for Shingo again, this was the biggest match they could do. Like, I, I know last week I came in here with my galaxy brain idea, which I admitted that that was like one in a hundred, but it was honestly really like one in a thousand shot of having just the big six do it. They kind of had to get to this point with Yoshioka and Kikuda, and I guess I'm a little dissatisfied. Not negative about it that this is the match this had to be the match but just have it i i guess it's on trend with how kakuda has been as dreamgate champion that of course he nominated the new big six he's going to name his challenger that just seems to be the tenor of how he's treating this dreamgate run but would i have liked maybe something to happen that yoshioka was the one that goes like no up i have a reason now i want a dreamgate match against you I feel like that that would have been a little bit more heated and provide a little bit more stakes than what we have now. Uh, I am not fully there. I see your point. You know, the thing with this match is the build is simply announcing the match. To me, that's big enough to, I'm not going to say fill the building. I don't know what capacity is in Kobe, Kobe Hall at this current point in time with the way the industry is. I do think that by itself, that match existing as a draw. You know, we've obviously seen throughout the years headlining Kobe World. You think about Shima versus Shingo and Hulk versus Yamato and Yamato versus Shingo and Pac versus Benkei. In some of these matches that have had these grandiose builds, and I'm not going to say they've needed them, but the story called for a, a quest, if you will. You know, a journey to get to that point with, with this being the final destination. I think with Kakuta versus Yoshioka, the company is going to reap rewards heading out of Kobe world. You know, this is a promotion so often that they do a good job of getting to the dance. You know, Kobe world, the main event feels right and it feels justified and it feels big. And then we go through an awkward August and we go through a troubling September. And then we kind of have to heat things back up October, November, December, because there's all these big shows. I think this is one where the match on the surface, and again, I would have preferred Yoshioka laid out the challenge instead of Kakuta, but I, I don't know if that's going to matter in the grand scheme of things. I do think the match is big enough. Again, I think it's the biggest match the company has to simply announcing that that's going to get people to buy tickets. And I think it's one of those where, you know, uh, it, it's not, it's not the explosion. We're lighting the fuse with Kakuta versus Yoshioka, and I think the dynamite is going to come into the summer and uh, autumn months. Yeah, and with the schedule being this way, I think that's, I, I, I think that's appropriate to really look at hitting the uh, hitting your August and into Dangerous Gate, and then the hot season. Setting it up this way makes sense with it. And it was also something that like struck me during this main event. Just 
I love decourage the way it is, but it was a a big feeling of we've seen a lot of these these kind of matchups and having Yoshioka in this main event and having this lay the groundwork for the fall might provide a little bit more intrigue in the unit landscape as well. What do you think? This is jumping ahead. I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna bring this up so early, but you kind of you kind of threw it out there. What do you think they do with Dragon Daya? at Kobe world. I have an idea, but I want to know just off the top of your head, if there's a clear direction for him. I, I don't necessarily know if there's a clear cut fashion for him or a fashion to get him into the, whatever's happening with uh, Kakuda and Yoshioka. I think you have to kind of just say like, okay, unless they're going to go like, is this going to tear apart the trio? You just don't need involved with that. I kind of see, Daya in a likely scenario where he whatever like outsider match they're going to have where it's like going to be like Yamato Dragon Kid and Daya versus Masato Tanaka and, and two others you know like I kind of feel like that that's where it's kind of positioning him for uh Kobe world at least w- with now with everything with the Brave Gate situation it just makes sense to get him away from that as well a little bit so yeah I think he'll probably do the uh, sponsored uh outsider match can I throw a scenario at you that I, I think is less fantasy booking than it might seem? I think there's uh, some hashtag facts and logic and, and reasoning behind what I'm about to lay out. All right, lay it out for me. Cork and Hall, and we'll do a full Cork and preview at the end of this podcast because I, I have some thoughts on those shows and the unfortunate Kobe Sambo Hall show uh, that's coming up at the end of this week. But... Uh, the two matches Daya's in, it's Kakuta, Yoshioka, and Daya versus Yamato, Dragon Kid, and Doi. That's the main event of the June 1st show on Thursday. Uh, and then match five on the Friday, June 2nd show, it's Kakuta and Dragon Kid versus Yoshioka and Daya. You and I, last year, really hammered home the point, especially towards the end of the calendar year, that this is a promotion that is currently revolving around D-Courage. And these are the main characters. These are the guys that matter. These are the people selling merchandise, and seemingly these are the most over people in the building. Is there a chance that we get Dragon versus Dragon, Daya versus Kid at Kobe World to really hammer home just the the heavy emphasis on D-Courage running this place now? I think that there's potential there the the thing that i that that seems like would deviate from how booking has been is it, you would have basically two big face versus face matches they're basically uh kakuda saying hey i i've got to get through you yoshioka i'm i'm choosing you and then kid going up against his protege i i don't know if you want to have that kind of style thing for your non-title a singles match on the show because it will probably be a special singles match. I don't know if Kid Daya is that exactly. Well, it seems like Strong Machine J versus Shun is going to be that in some capacity, whether that is the singles match or a singles match, I don't know, but it certainly seems like we're going in that direction. Right. So I just, Daya is in such an interesting spot because he just, he just lost the Brave Gate match to Jason and that makes all of this not more complicated but just a little weird because under the scenario you go well god you know 
wouldn't it be great if again if, if we're going under the assumption that this company is essentially run by decourage these are the biggest stars you do the decourage main event you do dia versus jason for the brave gate belt and boom there's two matches on kobe world but they can't do that dia just lost a brave gate match yeah so that's why i i think that i i get your scenario i still really think that he's going to get paired into whatever is going to be like dragon gate versus outside yeah, whatever the LEC sponsored match is. Yeah, and it's something where we're almost to a point now where with Dia, and this is probably a deeper discussion, not really for this week, where I wonder what the next step is for him because I don't know. Somehow in 16 months, I don't know how much he has really left in this babyface run. And I don't think, and it's going to be so hard to turn him. I don't, the, the, the next step for Dragon Dia, I think is going to be incredibly fascinating. Is the next step for him teaming with Dragon Kid? Because they certainly have chemistry as a tandem. Unless it's like a permanent building a unit around it. You've just had them have that uh, that Ray de Parejas run, and they weren't really doing anything out of that. Like, it, it, there was no indication coming out of that run that Double Dragon was going to be a Twingate fixture. Yeah. Uh, let me let me throw this at you. Uh, again, as I, as I kind of look for ways that that they can build on this dream game match. You know, the, the match is there. It's official. Again, I think that in itself, in terms of name value, I think is, is big for dragon gate. I'm a little surprised to see Kakuta and Yoshioka teaming as much as they are. They have the main event on that June 1st Kobe show. They are wrestling one another on the June 2nd one. And then if you look at the Kobe Sambo hall show, the main event is once again, D courage versus natural vibes and a match that, uh, feels feels a little inconspicuous. I mean, you know, it, it's Casey and Shimizu and Jason. Those are big names, but it's it's a D-Courage versus Vibes match on your go-home Kobe show before a world, and it seems a little pointless. Is there a chance that there's a, an angle hiding beneath our nose right now and that the people listening to this podcast before the Cork and Hall shows, maybe they're tipped off to this. Are we sure D-Courage as we know it, these three men exist a month from now. Is there a chance that everything is thrown into chaos and that Yoshioka splits from the group? We have to reshuffle the Kobe card. We have to reshuffle everything going forward, and they don't make this a unit versus unit match. I think there's a potential of that, but I just, like, with the way that's lit, lit up and with the four weeks lead time, really... I just think that you don't have enough time to really hash that out, especially with how the June schedule is so front-loaded. I don't think you're really going to be wanting to put together like high-profile matches in two weeks in Fukuoka. Like That's their last TV before uh, Kobe World. So I don't know. Oh, it looks like you know there might be... There might be a Kobe show. It looks like that Saturday, July 1st, at the art center, which is that other Kobe building. It looks like they might have a show there. Yeah. And they are selling tickets for that. And that's not the, uh, the PR show that they always do. They have a separate listing for that. Yeah. So So. look, it's not, it's not what I would do because you're right. It just, that's a little too much commotion. That's almost overcompensating for the, the lack of a build for this match as we know it now. 
I'm just, I'm, you know, quite frankly, a little surprised at how weak that Kobe lineup is. And the main event of that show is, is such a nothing match. God help us if they decide to, you know, lump Shimizu in there somehow. I don't think that's going to happen, but he is in the main event, so we can't rule it out. It just, it, it, it all seems it, like the, the, the Kobe show seems so meaningless that I almost think, are we sure that's what they're going to do? Are we sure there's not a secret card in, in, in GM Rio Saito's desk right now that is the actual show because they're going to shake things up after Corkin? Yeah, it's such like we, we, we grew so accustomed to a natural rhythm with how Junes and Mays usually are that now I, I think it's natural for us to just to constantly have our eyebrow raised at nearly everything <laughs> that, that that is happening at least you know i'm of the belief that things we might have a little bit more of a more regular schedule or at least nor normal in the sense that we might be getting king of gate later but it, it, it's something that like just the this kobe card is really kind of conspicuous and I, also I, I mean i'm looking at this sambo royal sambo and diamante being in there i'm wondering if that's where they finally have ultimo come back oh that's that's not a bad shout there so we've got the main event set. D-Courage versus D-Courage for now. Yoshioka versus Kakuta. My guy went into the old uh, history textbooks, the old Drangate Research 101. And my studies reveal that there are 10 same unit, same unit Dreamgate matches in the history of Dragon Gate. And Dragon Gate specifically, obviously, because the Dreamgate belt only existed here. I'm explaining that to myself right now, even though I'm realizing I don't need to. I have 10 matches listed here. I'd like to quiz you and see how many you can get, okay? All right, let's do this. You you have the floor. You list them. Uh, is that the way we want to do this? I guess we could have talked about this beforehand. I, I think you should just go ahead and try to list as many as you can, and then I'll tell you the ones you don't get. Yep, I, look, let's operate with that. Uh, so I believe the most recent one was Yamato versus BB Hulk. It was not the most recent one. That is one on the list. I'm going to give you a point. I will tell you the most recent one I think is the most difficult one on this list to get. It was, it it kind of shocked my system when I realized, oh, that's, that's on this list, I guess. Okay. So that's going to be, that's going to be difficult. All right. So uh, yes, Yamato versus BB Hulk from 2017. That was tribe Vanguard versus tribe Vanguard. That is on the Drangate network. And that was uh, February 2nd, 2017 from Cork and Hall. BB Hulk takes a bunch of stupid bumps in that match. (laughs) I think it's the only way I can describe it. (laughs) I I think it's BB Hulk's last great singles match because he takes all those stupid bumps. (laughs) It's kind of, it was like, Oh really? Like you're for this match. This only ain't Cork and brother. Like (laughs) I'm not saying it's a house show, but Jesus Christ. Yeah, doing EVOs on the apron. Yeah. Just, and this is 2017 Hulk. He's broken at this point. Yeah. No, God. Uh, of, of course, uh, Dangerous Gate 2015, Masato Yoshino and Shingo Takagi, Monster Express. Yep. That is Monster Express versus Monster Express. That leads to Shingo turning heel at the end of the match, forming the, forming the unit that would be known as Verzerk. But at the time, it was Monster Express versus Monster Express. I don't remember. This should be around 2008 with this one. I, I'm i not certain. Uh, Susumu versus Shingo both in Typhoon very briefly together. 
oh, you might have found one that I, I gotta I gotta look for that now because Shingo and Typhoon is not a thing that really makes sense in my mind. It's not something I ever envision him doing. That would have been the end of two thousand eight. That was what the the Final Gate show that year. Uh, or no, that was. But by that time, Shingo was already out of Typhoon. That like, was, I thought Gate, this was... That was Gate of Destiny two thousand eight. And what unit is Susumu in? Because Shingo... Susumu might already be in Real Hazard at that time. I might Mike, be wrong you, on that. You, you found one that is not on my list because if you look at Cage Match, Saito is very much a member of Typhoon through the end of 2008, and they have a match listed here. The go-home match for this show, uh, there's a six-man where Shingo teams with Anthony W. Mori and Dragon Kid, and that is obviously Typhoon. And so that would put Shingo versus Susumu 2008 as Typhoon versus Typhoon. Son of a bitch, you found one not on my list. <laughs> I didn't think I did. I did and not think I did. Gosh. I, Shingo uh, and Typhoon doesn't make any sense to me. That's not something I ever think about. And, and that was part of the storyline was getting him out of Typhoon. Like they made like the yeah, deal. Yeah, because that, he's like, gone. Because he, Kamikaze, which hint, hint, Kamikaze forms right after. Yep, and that was the next one I was going to name, Shingo Takagi versus Taku Awasa. Shingo versus Awasa is... Well, that's not a Dreamgate match. I that was... I thought that was a Dreamgate match. Awasa was going for the Dreamgate. Fuck, we're going like, to we're gonna have to bail on this whole segment if this was a Dreamgate match. <laughs> Hold I, on. I don't remember Awasa. Oh, no, no, I was wrong. I was wrong on this thank one. Thank God. So. Oh, thank God. That, that, All that, right, that was, was wrong. Mike was wrong. Uh, that's not that. Uh, Doi and Yoshino have done it i i know they did it in world one that, they were that is one. that that is the discord Gate match of the week this week thank you angry 216 for continuing to keep that alive that is such a great idea and yes june 11 2009 doi versus yoshino world one collides they have one more can you think of the unit that doi and yoshino would have wrestled for the dreamgate belt under the same unit gosh well, it would have had to be really when Yoshino had the belt. Yeah. I'm doing this in my head right now. And Doi does not challenge again after that run while Yoshino is champion in 09 2010. So it's not that one. They are not in Junction 3, and there's not a lot of overlap there with Yoshino's run with that. Maximum? Yep. Yep. Oh, God. I've completely i i you heard me work it out in my head i was like well it has to be at a certain point i was like world one international not long enough uh and yeah maximum okay yeah dangerous gate 2018 and that is the show where cosmo sakamoto debuted that is a, a dragon kid versus Ata brave gate match and one of my favorite twin gate matches of all time bb hulk and yamato versus mochizuki and shun skywalker but the main event was maximum versus maximum Yoshino versus Doi. You've got four right now, plus a bonus one of Shingo versus Susumu, which I did not catch in my research. I, I'm going to circle back to Kamikaze for a second. I okay. think you can get this one, and it's a match that I want to talk about after we get through this list. Kamikaze versus Kamikaze. What was the Dreamgate match? It would have had to be be uh, Shingo versus uh, Yamato, right? Yes, yeah. Dead or Alive 2010. All right, so that that's six right there. Yeah. 
You've this got, is yeah, where you, you've got, you got six out of 11, technically. Yeah, gosh. I, would you count, uh, did Shima ever defend against Magdu Kishiwada when they were both in Blood Generation? They didn't, but there's a Shima match on this list. It's the first one I have on record. It's a Shima Typhoon match. Shima Typhoon match. God, right typhoon before he got hurt. Yeah, gosh. Typhoon. That that, that would have been the real old head's uh, threat of doing a, a throwback episode. Not not over generation. Typhoon would be the one to do with this. Yeah, because oh, apparently God. fucking Shingo was in Typhoon. Yeah, no, very... It, it wasn't long. It was not long. <sighs> was it... Uh, I... I'm going to have to tap here. I cannot think of That's any okay. more I, I, I'm going to give you the unit on the rest of these. I'll see if you can get it. Uh, okay. Shima versus Rio Saito, April 27th, 2008. I forgot that Rio Saito was in Typhoon. I thought that's, he was, It's I, weird. That's, that's actually probably the, the figurehead of Typhoon for me. That's a unit I always picture him in. I always see it as Shima because Shima was pitched Typhoon as like the all-star game, the unit, because you had Shima coming in representing like Blood Generation and you had... Uh, Susumu coming in representing uh, Doofixer and M2K, and it just was like supposed to be this big like joint unit, like the cream of the cream. Like, so I always thought it was like Shima, not not Saito. But I mean, Shima got so seriously hurt that at the end of the day, it kind of is Saito for most yeah. of it. I've got another World One match in here. Can you think of the other World One Dreamgate match? Uh, You've World got Doi versus Yoshino. World One Classic, right? Yes, yeah, silver and gold. Silver and gold. Was there? Oh, there was Doi and Hulk. Yep. Yeah, yeah that was uh, November 23rd, 2009. I really like that match. Uh, you nailed one Monster Express match. There's two more, though. There, there okay. were three total Monster Express versus Monster Express matches for the Dreamgate belt, which weirdly, I think, defines that unit. Well, well I, because you said this now, I remember like the most like the, the, the one that's the most unique, and that's Ricochet and Uha Nation. And who did Ricochet win the belt from? He won the belt from Masato Yoshino. Masato Yoshino. Those are the two other Monster Express matches. All right. I'm going to give you one more second to think about this. You've got all of them, but the most recent same unit versus same unit Dreamgate match. Rack your brain. Think about the most recent Dreamgate champions. Who might it have been? Oh, boy. So... Obviously not Kakuda. Shun had too short of a run. Yoshioka was trying to face old uh, demons. Yamato. Yamato Benkei High End. Yamato Benkei High End. That was 2020. Son of a bitch. I forgot another one. All right. That's on the list. That is the most recent one. I was thinking of Doi <laughs> versus Susumu from 2020. Yeah. And, and that's like the tricky one because that's a, uh, a, a, a Torimon generation. Yep. Versus. All right. Well, that segment didn't go the way I wanted it to. Mike found two more that I forgot about. But nevertheless, the whole point of this exercise was to say that Dreamgate matches between same unit guys have happened before. And I specifically want to look at Shingo versus Yamato from 2010, because I think that and you tell me if I'm wrong, that's probably the closest comp we have to this match. A real 1A versus 1B sort of matchup between guys in the same unit where it's not you know, uh, 
Ricochet versus Uha, let's say, where uh, one is clearly raked ahead of the other. It's Yamato versus Shingo, and at the time, they were, I, I feel, on the same level, and I think Yoshioka and Kakuta are in that uh, predicament now. And you have, like, a similarity there that you had Yamato getting this title shot very... This was... This was the title. This was a title change, right? No. Well, Yamato won the belt from Doi. This was his first defense because this is okay. That's right. This is yeah. when they did King of Gate in April. So Yamato wins the belt, and then Shingo wins King of Gate right after, and that's what leads to this match. Okay. So, like drawing direct parallels here, you kind of have this makes sense. First defense, you know, first defense for. Yamato with Shingo first defense for Yoshioka is going to be, or for Kakuta is going to be Yoshioka. Also, you have the sense that Yamato, the way that Yamato became Dreamgate champion in his first ever challenge as basically for for that time being like one of the quickest to the belts ever, you kind of have it paralleled with Kakuta as well. There's a lot of ways this lines up. Yeah, th- th- this lines up in a lot of different ways, and I think it's going to be one of those deals where you know if you look at if you look at the build to Shingo versus Yamato, they're actually largely kept apart. Once Shingo wins King of Gate, there's one uh, Kamikaze versus Kamikaze tag where they did Shingo and Cyber Kong versus Tozawa and Yamato in Aichi a month before Dead or Alive. So they they do the hometown build there. But they don't touch again. That match was April 16th. Obviously, Dead or Alive was May 5th. They don't touch in the interim. They're not in any of the same matches with one another. And then coming out of Kakuta versus Yoshioka, there's two ways they can go. Decourage can continue as is, or we might see some friction between the unit. I think Yoshioka could go heel uh, starting July of 2023. It would not shock me. But Kamikaze stayed together. And a month after that Dreamgate match, Shingo and Yamato are with Kagator and they lose a Triangle Gate challenge to, at the time, Warriors of Shima, Gamma, and Genki. So there's there's a lot of similarities here in the build, and I think we'll see a lot of similarities possibly in the fallout if they decide to stay together. Because that's an interesting thing with D-Courage. You know, we still haven't had them as Triangle Gate champions and even with the Triangle Gate belts not meaning what they used to mean, and I'm, I'm disappointed by it, I, I always wish there would be a little bit more emphasis put behind those titles. Kakuta, Yoshioka, and Daya being trios champions, I think would mean something, and I think it would mean something to those titles, and we're now looking at a, a possibility in which that doesn't happen if D-Courage doesn't move forward after July. And for as happy as I've been with this unit, for as happy as I've been with this match, and weirdly, for as happy as I'd be with change, specifically in way, uh, by way of Yoshioka, I still think it'd be a missed opportunity if they weren't Triangle Gate champions together at some point. And it's something that they've been running these D-Courage three, uh, trios matches up top since Kakuda was affiliated with the unit that it just feels like it's a wasted opportunity if they don't do that. Yeah, yeah it's... I think they're they're in a position that, that's why I said this is you know this is the match that is the fuse being lit. It's not the big boom at the end of the story. I think we're gonna learn a lot about this company and the directions they're gonna go after this match, after Kakuta versus Yoshioka. And that's a rare position for Dragon Gate to be in because again, Kobe World is when they pay things off. And this year, I, I really think it's the uh, the fire starter, if you will. And that just leads more credence to how they've changed the schedule, you know. With 
instead of having a very quiet spring, you got right in the thick of it with a Dreamgate change and then Ray de Parejas providing more heat going into Champion Gate. You, we can probably in a couple months dis- discuss about not having a King of Gate leading into Kobe World being a positive or a negative, but now we have this opportunity that you you know it's very coincidental that Kobe World is virtually on the halfway point of the year because i feel like that this is going to be a year of two halves that we had the spring that was a lot about shun skywalker Streamgate champion and the rise of kakuda and now we have this summer and fall into winter that with all these big shows that now we get to see the path forward whereas in the past there was always issues with august and dragon gate that shouldn't be that case here now and i think that's gonna be really interesting to see Today's podcast is brought to you by the Bet Stamp app, which is helping thousands of people win at sports betting for free. The same way travelers use Google Flights or Expedia to find the best prices, bettors can now use Bet Stamp to do the same. When you place a bet, the odds given by a sportsbook will determine how much you can possibly win. Even when betting on the same outcome, different sportsbooks offer varying payouts, and these differences can be huge. Thankfully, BetStamp allows you to easily line shop for the most profitable odds across all sports books. You can click on any matchup and instantly see all the different odds for game lines, player props, and even future bets. Line shopping is the simplest way to find an edge in sports betting and maximize your choices and chances of winning long term. On average, BetStamp users win an extra $1,000 yearly just by line shopping. You can find the BetStamp app on the Apple iOS store, Google Play store, or through your browser at www.betstamp.app. To access all these benefits, sign up using promo code VOW and start your journey to successful sports betting today. If you forget to use the code upon sign up, you can always enter our code in your BetStamp account settings afterwards. Go check it out. So we came out of this big weekend in Osaka, this the show at the end of March, uh, May, in case we had kind of a remarkable attendance number as it was 831, a number that I, I know you have, you, you look this stuff up, you, you're someone that's really on the pulse of this. For Osaka, Edeon number two, how long ago are we talking about? With that this is the most, th- th- this is the most people they've put in Osaka number two since January 12th, 2020, which was the beginning of Generation Warfare, R.E.D., Toriyaman, and Dragon Gate Generations. It was the start of the uh, Twin Gate Tournament. That show did 1035. Other than that, this beats out a lot of pre-pandemic shows post-OWE split, so when we're using real attendance numbers. Other than Champion Gate in Osaka Night 2, 2019, which was Pac versus Shun Skywalker. This number uh, beats out every show from 2019. Man, 2019 was, you know, a year of recovery for Dragon Gate, a year of growth. But 831 is a just a shoot good number. You know, those Champion Gate shows in 2019, they did 877 for the first night and uh, 1113 for the second. That's the most that they've put in Osaka number two since the split, since we started getting the real attendance numbers. But uh, yeah, eight eight thirty one for this show is just a legitimately great number 
for for any metric. It's nice to see them again beating those 2019 numbers, beating some of those 2018 numbers. 831 is just a good number across the board. And it's something that when you look at the show that we had, it's not as if outside of the debut of Ryoya Tanaka, not a lot of stuff that was special on this. There was no title matches on the show. There was build, of course. We've spent half an hour talking about Kakuta versus Yoshioka at Kobe World, but it's not that this was like a show that was being built up in the way that we have seen in the past for Edeon 2 or Nagoya Conference or Congress Center. No, but this, uh, well, well, I'll say this first, you know, I thought this show would do like 600 fans. I, I was stunned when I saw that it did 831 and I was, I was delighted just because, you know, it, it's a good number to see. I'm, I'm for any promotion drawing any good number in any building right now. So 831 is a good number. They've been very hot in Osaka this year. You know, uh, the first show they ran, it was January 7th of this year. They sold 500 tickets, which given at the time, the restrictions that were in place, that was listed as a sellout. And then they did 455 and 528 uh, for Champion Gate shows, then 831 here. That's a big jump from Champion Gate. And I think that's a sign in the right direction. If you look at these shows that have run in this building this year since those Champion Gate shows, so anything from April onwards, really, uh, you have Tokyo Joshi Pro Show on April 22nd of this year. That did 335 fans. There is a, a New Japan Road to Wrestling Dantaku show. That was headlined by just a, you know, a, an LIJ versus just five guys. I mean, this was a throwaway show for New Japan, and that did 881. There's a champion carnival show uh, from April 30th of this year, headlined by Ashino versus Shuji Ishikawa. Also, noticeably, a uh, Kaito Ishida match on this show. This was part of the Junior Tag League as well. That show did 814 fans, which just once again, all Japan business continues to bewilder me. Are you surprised that All Japan put 18, uh, 814 fans in this building this year? I mean, if it wasn't for the fact that I spent that time trying to figure out what their boom was last year, I sure, of course they did. Like, the, n- nothing else about that promotion makes sense promoting-wise. So, L- yeah. l- Literally no hate. If you like All Japan, I get it. This show looks terrible. I can't believe 800 people showed up to this show. All Japan, I was always looking at these cars. I'm like, God, that just, that looks like it sucks. That looks like it's not going to be any good. Oh, maybe that junior match will be all right. Hey, there's Naruki Doi. Okay, that'll be good. And then this is a show where even, I mean, Miyahara was in the opening eight-man tag. It's not even like a, a Miyahara show. Uh, that did 814. There's a stardom, uh, stardom show on May 9th of this year that did 519 fans. I don't know what the rules are for this show. I don't know if we're allowed to analyze it and say, yeah, 519, not, not, you know, not the best number post-COVID restriction or if there's rules that stardom fans have in place. I see on Cage Match it says bonus show. So I don't know if 519 is good for a bonus show or if it's bad. I will leave the stardom fans to to decide whether or not we can talk about that number or not. Wait, wait, the, wait what tier does that make it if it's a bonus showcase? I, I don't I don't know. There's no title matches on it. So, okay, so it's not it a clearly C-tier can't be show. that important. Yeah. Yeah, it's not C tier. So bonus must be F, I guess. I Stardom Golden Week Tour Fight uh, Stardom Golden Week Fight Tour 2023 Night Six bonus show. Yep, that sounds like F tier to me. 
Yeah, I look, I guess Stardom fans, you tell me what the rules are. I'll follow them. I don't know if we're allowed to analyze this number or if, if it's, uh, you know, if 519 is the work of Mother <laughs> Teresa and Jesus coming together. I don't know if it's a good number or a bad number. I don't know if it's a miracle. I don't know what it is. Again, you guys just tell me because I know you guys have thoughts on all of the attendance that you guys have. Uh, and then the two Super Junior shows that ran here, 831. So even with Dragon Gate for the show that was headlined by Speedball and Leo Rush and Teton and Hiromu, and then the second New Japan Super Junior show that ran here, 819 fans, and that was uh, headlined by Kanemaru and Yo and Despi and Robbie Eagles. So even with a New Japan show, uh, slightly ahead of a New Japan show, and slightly under a New Japan show, that's good business. You know, we always talk about how Nagoya is uh, really the only market in the country where not only any promotion comes close to doing the attendance that New Japan does, but there are times where Dragon Gate actually beats New Japan there. And at least in the smaller Osaka building, they are doing very similar attendance this year. Yeah, and it is something that when you like take the step back and consider the turnover with Dragon Gate, I think that's something that needs to be taken account because this was a company that I mean, you. we were talking 2018 numbers. Think about the Osaka natives in the company that they made sure were first and foremost whenever they came through Osaka. Shima, Gamma, and I can add, you can keep on adding more. The oh, list toys. Ka- 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 Kaito Ishida and Masato Yoshino. Ishida. Well, Yoshino, yeah, Yoshino's from a suburb. I, I was about to say that, yeah, he's from Higashi, Osaka. But you had all these people there that we... If you've picked up one thing from Open the Voice Gate for the last 24 months, it, it is how much importance Dragon Gate puts on hometown guys coming into their towns and performing in front of families, friends, neighbors, people, and the townspeople. They don't have that as much anymore. I'll run through this January 12th, 2020 Osaka show. Like I said, this did 1035 Prior to this weekend shows, I guess this is still the most people that Dragon Gate has had in the building since this show. Opening match, Dragon Diane Casey versus Dragon Kid and Kagatora. Second match, Masaki Mochizuki versus Oji Shiba. Third match, Kai, Kaisuke Akuda, and Yuki Yoshioka versus Gamma, Martin Kirby, and Mondai Ryu. Fourth match, BB Hulk and Kazuma Sakamoto versus Genki Horiguchi and Ryo Saito. Uh, match after that, Hyo, Kaito Shida, and Takashi Yoshida versus Don Fuji, Naruki Doi, and Ultimo Dragon. Your semi-main event, Masato Yoshino and Susumi Koska versus Jason Lee and Yosuke Santa Maria. In your main event, Ben K and Yamato versus Big R Shimizu and Eita. This is just a different promotion than the one we're watching now. Yeah, and I think that seeing how everything has changed and how you know you look at this show and the only really promoted thing was a rookie debut. It smacks you in the face how different it is yeah i look i i'm gonna i'm gonna give a lot of credit to d courage and kakucha and yoshioka specifically i just think putting those guys on in a in a featured six-man tag main event i think that matters to people right now and, and you know we criticize the hokkaido attendance heavily because i just i don't think they put their uh their ducks in the right places they they leaned heavily on KZ, which has worked in the past, and they leaned heavily on Hulk, which I think there's continued diminishing returns there. And the best show of the tour was the one that had decouraged guys in a big match, and I think we'll continue to see that uh, going forward. I'm really curious to see what these Cork and attendance numbers look like, especially that first night where it's decourage versus Yumato, Doi, and uh, Dragon Kid, because that's a match that I, I would 
I would hope, I would certainly hope that 1,200, 13 people buy, uh, 1,300 buy, peop- uh, buy tickets to that show. Yeah, it, it, it's going to be interesting to see how this works as they turn the calendar. I just, I, I look at this and I look at the, the show schedule case and we are, I, I know that we've started this countdown like last month, but there's only one, two, three, they, and then and then YouTube uploads three more shows after these Tokyo ones. Yeah, no, Kobe, Kobe World's coming up fast. It is coming up fast, and we might be having another new addition to that show as on this show on May 28th, we had the debut of highly touted Ryoya Tanaka. We talked about Tanaka over the last few weeks. He was a subject of the We Are Dragon Gate documentary that's recently been uploaded. He had his debut match against Yamato, it was a eight-minute match that ended with Yamato winning with the Brain Buster. Uh, Tanaka is the only debut for this year from the Dragon Gate Dojo, and I guess for me, well, the the thing that like my first immediate takeaway case from his debut is more so than probably anyone else in this era, Ryoya Tanaka is going to he's going to matter. The company is going to make him make. Tanaka matter one way or another. It's just very clear from how he looks, how they've already treated him during training, and then with a match with Yamato as a debut, it's it's a, it's a setup there for like you know that there's a clear difference between his debut and then a Kaito Nagano's, and it's very clear. Oh my god, yeah. I mean, I I, I don't. This is a meeting, and I, I I don't even mean this for comedic effect. I. I just think he's so handsome, and in Dragon Gate, that matters. I mean, this is a guy that is just, he's going to look good as the biggest face on your poster, and it's not that Nagano or even, you know, Kato wouldn't. It's just, this guy, it's very similar to when SB Kento walked into the company, where you saw him once, and you saw the way he carried himself as a young man, you know, as as a boy, really, and you go... Oh, there's something there. You know, I, I've seen enough of these Dragon Gate rookies come along where, you know, you have your guys that never make it, you have your guys that surprise you, and you have your guys that are primed and ready for match one. And I think that's a very short list. I think you could put Al Lindemann on that list. I think you could put SB Kento on that list. I think you could put uh, uh, Yuki Oshioka on that list. And I, I think you've got to put Tanaka on that list. This was a, an incredibly impressive debut. I, I think there are actually some people on the Discord, uh, the Voices of Wrestling Discord, the Drangate channel, that are a little higher on it than I am. I mean, I loved this match, but there are people raving about his debut performance. Yeah, I think I'm more with you than the uh, Discord consensus. I you, you, you laid that all out about how Tanaka is on that list of take take note of him now he's going to be someone that all breaks the right way he's going to matter for this promotion for decades to come i i kind of got a impression that like they had all of this footage and his performance i think he's good i think that i don't think he's as good or as polished as the rookies we've seen over the last few years but he does have promise like it's very clear that but it almost in a way felt like that he was debuted a little early did you get that impression like like it felt like it wasn't that he was bad it just was things he don't usually have we have not seen recently with these rookie debuts 
Just in terms little, of his, little his, in, his in-ring performance or the presentation of it? In-ring performance. Presentation and everything. Like, there's no real criticism to be offered there. It, it was something that I was kind of, like, noticing in this match up until the chop battle with Yamato that it wasn't that he was bad or anything. It just felt like that this was very much like a rookie in a way that I did not get that kind of feeling from Nagano. And it's a completely different kind of... I. I I don't want to bring up uh, Yoshiki Kado because he had his own his own thing that he was rough around the edges. This isn't that. This is just someone that I'm wondering if this is this was an early debut, basically. I I, I don't get the impression it was rushed at all. I I think he wrestled like a rookie. Now this is one of those instances where you see the you see the potential there. You know this is this is a guy who oh, is unquestionably. Only- yeah, he's only 5'5", five five and he carries himself like a guy that's six feet tall. I just had to look up his height, and I was stunned to see that he was that small. But it, even just projecting that big, working around the ring the way that he did, it's a guy who, you know, he's going to make mistakes, and he's going to have awkward nights. I'm a little frustrated he's not on both Corkin shows. He's only on the second one, uh, because I want him to be in front of cameras and have as much ring time as humanly possible just to get those reps, uh, just to get those reps in there. But... No, I, I thought other than the sort of twisting lion salt that he did where he overshot Yamato, I thought it was a pretty clean debut. It was on par, I would say, with most Dragon Gate debuts. Yeah, I, it, it just was something that maybe it was that I was I walked away. I walked away more impressed with the Kagatora exhibition than I did this match. Interesting. I, okay, see, I'm I'm much more in favor of this match. I I really, I mean, there's a few spots here that I can sort of walk through. You know, they they have a great spot where uh, he drop kicks Yamato, shows great fire, and then Yamato shoulder blocks him and does the hair taunt, which it was just that that was great stuff there of Yamato, re, you know, reestablishing himself as top dog. This kid's not going to punk me. I'm essentially I'm fucking Yamato. You know, deal with it. Uh, there's a few big chop battles in this match and Yamato noticeably at one point gestures towards his chest and gestures towards the crowd. Like, okay, you know, I, again, I'm Yamato, but this kid's hitting me really, really hard. Uh, there's a great uh, step up crossbody into a drop kick spot from Tanaka that gets a big reaction. There's a second chop battle. Uh, there's the springboard sort of Arabian press arm drag thing that he did. And that's not all the way there, but I, I you know, you give him a month in the dragon gate system. He's going to start hitting that super clean, I think. And uh, then the, uh, the final sequence here where, you know, he gets hit with the go to hospital too. They have a third shot battle. Yamato hits him with a big boot, a brain buster. Tanaka kicks out. And then a, uh, another brain buster gets him for the count of three. To me, this was a three and a half star match. And I know there are people in the discord flirting with four, which means they were, they were higher on it than I was, but I, I still thought this was a spectacular debut. So I was three and a half stars too, which I, I know I gave the impression that I was you're, you're pretty a big down. Old grump. Yeah. Big old grump three and a half stars. I, I guess the point I was trying to make a little, and maybe I'll give it another pass and maybe it becomes a little bit more clear. He is going to be someone that wherever he is in his, in his development, I think he's going to grow exponentially. I just kind of, it, it's one of those things that everything is there. I just don't think it's there yet. Enric. I, I don't know if this is something that the, the company cares about. I get the impression that they do, but I, I'm never able to ignore the fact that he was featured and that this is Drangate documentary. Right. And, 
you know, I don't know if you think this way, but if I was in a position where I had this archived footage of this child trying out and receiving his contract on camera for my company, I would do everything I can to make that footage as valuable as humanly possible. And I think, I think they have that mindset. And I think Tanaka is going to be a guy that you're going to see that footage of him and the empty Kobe Sambo hall with Yamato and with Kagatora, you know, getting beat up, doing the practice matches. Uh, you know, I, I believe again, the documentary is not translated, unfortunately, but getting word that he was going to go into the dojo and train to make his debut all of that is in this documentary. That just seems like something that can't be ignored. And on top of that, he's good looking. He's charismatic. Did his charisma jump out to you? Because it really jumped out to me. Oh, yeah. No, it, it, it's interesting that you brought up SB Kento and the height thing with his projection. Like his physical charisma makes you have to check his height. Like this is like the thing that I, I know Jay a couple of years ago was like, oh, if he was like three inches taller. I don't think Tanaka has that problem just because of his charisma. Yeah, I, I always say SP Kento, like when SP Kento was working in America and I had promoters reach out to me, they were like, okay, what's his deal? And I was like, he's Japanese Adam Cole. You know, he's going to be immensely successful with the build he has now, but imagine him with three or four more inches you know, to him. It would just, it would be game changing. He'd be the biggest star there is. And that that Jay quote, you know, that that sticks with me. You know, as I go throughout my day and I think about Dragon Gate stuff and I think about what to talk about with this podcast, you know, Jay coming on the show in 2021 and saying if SB Kento was three inches taller, he probably would have already won the Dreamgate belt. That's I, I, I don't know why. I maybe this sounds over dramatic, but that is chilling to think about for some reason. Yeah, no, it it, it certainly resonates with it. Uh, it was interesting to see how Yamato handled himself in this kind of role in this match did, did you have like did did it come off like interesting to see like not necessarily like cranky vet yamato but this this felt like a little bit of an evolution to him in this i i love this version of yamato i you know this is kind of what i want from him and and maybe that's not a popular opinion if you're super into yamato but if you're not going to turn him heel and i'm certainly open to that but i don't think that's the direction they're going to me, that this is what I I want Yamato wrestling. Fuda, I want him wrestling. Nagano, I want him wrestling. Daiki, I want him wrestling. Tanaka again. This is interesting to me. Let him cook with these young guys. Put him in environments that he's never been in before. We've never seen, you know, I don't think anybody debut against Yamato, at least certainly not in a straight singles match. So to see him in this environment was great. I've seen Ace Yamato. I've seen Twin Gate Champion Yamato. I know what that looks like. I got it. I heard you. This is new Yamato. This is a fresh coat of paint. I really, really liked what he did here. And it's something that as Yamato has had this really different 2023, that this feels like a path forward that I know how much at least I get hyped for Yamato, Don Fuji kind of aspects in it. And whenever we see that matchup, whenever we see them teaming, I'm always know that I'm in for a good time, at least for that matchup. This feels a little bit with that, that maybe as Ace, former Ace, he has to carry himself one way. Now we're kind of getting to see a little bit of a goofy dickhead Yamato in this match. Like if he takes that forward, I'm really into it. Yeah, I, I'm I'm really into this version of Yamato. It's why I'm in favor of him teaming with Doi when Doi's around and just... 
sort of hanging out, you know, the, uh, well, I'll complain about Ata here in a minute because I, I have just a lot of questions over the existence of Ata at this point in his career. But this version of Yamato, assuming that it's not just this for forever, that eventually he will get back into to unit play, which I think he will. I am all into, you know, I, I don't know if I want to call it midlife crisis, but, you know, sort of vacationing Yamato here. You know, he's he's done his time. He's made a good living. He's kind of hanging out for a little bit, and he's earned that. And and I'm very much into his entering approach when when he's being this kind of guy. To me, this is far more interesting than outside of again, you know, Yamato enjoys its own animal. But any other combination of a Yamato Twin Gate or Triangle Gate team, I don't care. You know, I, I'm sure the matches will be fine. But this is this is an environment we've never seen him in before, and we've seen Yamato in a lot of environments. Yeah, and it's something that with the new Big Six, there was a very open question that we had about what does this mean for Yamato being like the standard bearer of that generation. This is a path forward. This is the, this I have a lot of time for this, especially if this means like in a couple of years, then we could talk about Yamato back in like the, the dream gate picture, like, like real dream gate picture, not just one off titles that this is a lot of fun. I think. And I, I also think it just makes Yamato the big match Yamato wrestler more exciting because now I, you know, I go through this match where it's okay. It's this undercard match. Yamato dominates and I leave it going, Oh, that's right. I really like Yamato, which is sometimes it fluctuates based on the last Yamato match that I watched. There are times where I go, God, this guy's an all time great. He's such a genius. And there are times where I think, man, I, I could, I could do without this for a while. Maybe he should hang out in Mexico or Texas or just go, just go not here. But now I watch this match and then I see he's with Doi and, and Dragon Kid against D-Courage in the main event of Cork. And I go, well, son of a bitch, that's going to be a banger of a six man. And it's all because I was primed and ready for it with here. It makes the bigger Yamato matches more valuable. Whereas, I mean, for a decade, we've it's not that we've been beaten over the head with it. He's the biggest star of the company and he's he's earned those main event spots and he's earned that constant attention, but it's nice to not always have Yamato at the top of the card. This is a refreshing change. Yeah, I mean, it's like absence makes the heart grow fonder. 100%, absolutely. And I think that that would, would really help and I with Yamato, and I think that would also give us like a, just a little break. Just need a little break from him. Well, you brought up Ata before. I, I'm going to audible into this one. Yeah, please. So Ata appears on this Osaka show, was not advertised as an impromptu challenge and comes out there, becomes the most popular person, everything we've said about Ada for the last 18 months, and then has what I would call a kind of bizarre match. So the match is Ata deciding to team with Takashi Yoshida and Monday Ryu versus Kai, Hyo, and Ishin. Ata wins with an Imperial Uno on Hyo. And something about the attendance also, they did this without announcing Ata on the show. So Ata just showed up unannounced. That's a good point. I, I hadn't really thought about that, but you're right. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, what, what is Ata? Well, I mean, what, what is this? You know, he comes in, he's the most over guy on the show, like you said, outside of maybe Kakuta. I'll push back on Kakuta just a little bit, but oh, a six-man tag with Problem Dragon and Takashi Yoshida, is this just what, is this what it is now? Like, I, you know, I don't get it. Explain, explain to me what this match was. I, I, I'll read you my notes. Impromptu Eita. Incredibly hot, if only for Eita. Felt like this was here for the Eita pop. 
those were my notes for this match case. I, I don't know if you could have phrased it any better. I mean, it's just this kind of thing where, you know, he was great at the last Corkin and he wrestled Ishin and it was this super exciting crowd brawl. He got some Ultimo in there, Ultimo trying hard. That never happens. I think Aja brought out the good side at him. And then you just have, I, I can't call it lifeless because again, Aja was super over, but this just objectively meaningless six man tag and with so much interesting stuff happening in the company, you know, between Shun and Strong Machine J, Kakucha and Yoshioka, and whatever is going on with this sort of freelance group of Doi and Kondo, you would just, you would hope that Ato would be in the mix in a meaningful way. And he's just not. And it, it almost, when he shows up now, it's more frustrating than it is a sign of relief. Because I just look at this guy... And I, I don't know what to do with him. I mean, let me ask you, in your perfect world, if you if you're handed the pencil right now from Rio Saito, what what is what purpose does Aita serve you? What what is he doing now? And what ideally in a perfect world would you get for him from him? Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Well, assuming that... I could only use him as a freelance wrestler. I would make sure I would promote his appearances and make sure I'd have the merch of this guy at the show. First and foremost. Yeah, like, of, of course. And yeah, look, and I mean, no, no, look, I don't even this is a dig. Nobody can sell a t-shirt quite like Ata. We know that. Yeah, no, no. It's just like, hey, when you have that specific set of skills, you, you want to put them in best use. But it, it's difficult because he is clearly... I think this has been publicly stated, but I think, but if not, uh, he's not an exclusive freelancer. He is a freelancer. He does not have any sort of Dragon Gate affiliation anymore. Yes. So, yeah, uh, th that was confirmed by Jay the last time he was on here. Okay. So we, so he has a different contract and he has a different working agreement with the company, whereas he, you can't use him in title matches, essentially. Like, or you can, but the company, like, if I would say, like, well, I'm putting giving Ada the Dreamgate and he's getting a Dreamgate run, I don't think that President Kido would let me leave the office with the pencil. Right? I, I, well, let, let me ask you a question. This is not rhetorical. This is for me and the audience to understand. Okay. He's probably on a closer deal to what Hiroshi Yamato was on than what Naruki Doi is currently on. Is that a good way to look at it? That is my impression of the situation. Okay, okay. That, that's I, mine too. That, that that makes sense to me. Yeah, so, so we're all on the same page about this. The, this is such a different company from when they put the belt on Liger as, a, as an outsider. So I, you, you would want to use them in the Dreamgate picture, but you can't. So what do you do with them? And w that you can't really do a whole lot, ultimately. But you can advertise him. If he's going to be on your shows and I'm stunned, it, it's a nice thing. And it gets people going like, oh, I should have gone because Aita would have been there, even though they didn't advertise him. That's a neat thing, but that's not always the best thing to be doing. You can't do a lot with him. It's difficult. Yeah, I, I you know, the uh, our, our dream unit of uh, Aita essentially leading a Lucha version of Mochizuki Dojo. That's not going to happen. I, 
there's no obvious pivot. You know, you can't you can't turn him heel because he was just the leader of the last heel unit. It's it's bizarre to me that they've put him out on this island and in a weird way, Yosuke Santa Maria still being out injured really doesn't help Ata because that was his one remaining friend. And now his one remaining friend is out with a serious injury. I just, I, I don't, uh, you know, we're talking about this on, on Ata's, I think 12th anniversary in wrestling is today. And he's just, he's in a, he's in a weird spot. You know, if he's happy in Noah, great. He's very over in Noah even if the in-ring work is nowhere near the quality it is in Dragon Gate, he didn't bounce to New Japan for the Super Juniors tournament. Uh, he's not going to go to Gleet. I don't think he's going to go to Mexico uh, based on you know things Jay uh, said on this podcast. It, it, I just I don't know I don't know what you do with him. And it's something that it's it's very unique in the way that Doi, even though again Doi has his uh, exclusive. Or at least when I say exclusive, that essentially means that they that from my understanding, Dragon Gate gets first pick to date. Yeah. But Doi, you have the fact that he was T2P and this and, and Kondo T2P. Whenever Kenichi Rai shows up every Tokyo, Torimon original, and you have all of those people still around. Even you could always have Eric and team for team up with Dragon Kid. That's some old school original home army shit right there. Like like you have those things. And we've talked about this a lot. Eita just does not have it. When Yosuke Santa Maria is your best option, the closest affiliation, you really don't have an affiliation. And then you, you're essentially like, how can you treat him more than a Hiroshi Yamato? Someone who has basically the same kind of contract. I don't think it's possible to really do a whole lot more than they are other than I would advertise him. I know I've said that a lot. I'm still kind of confounded that they would, that they had it, unless this was something that, Literally, Ato was like, "Oh yeah, no, I'm in town. I'll come by." You know, like that's Which, the only reason. I, you know, it, I don't think that would surprise me. And I, I know nothing about Ato as a person, but it, it, you know, he says the same. Oh, I, I can work today. That wouldn't surprise me if that's the level we're at with Ato. Right. So it's just it, it's an awkward piece, and it's something that knowing, or, or at least having the impression that this Ato shoe was going to drop, basically for I. You don't have to be talking to people to sense something was up there. For but for like the last fifteen months, you would think that there would be a way to kind of situate this better than having him basically have the twenty twenty two he had on the way out. It does not feel like the most efficient use. Like it's to the point where I'd almost rather Ata not be around. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. It's really you know when you zoom out of this, when you don't just look at this from the Drangate perspective. I. I just I have a hard time believing a guy with this much talent. And again, I I feel like I should always mention his neck is in bad shape. You know, he's not he's not a healthy man for however old he is. And I'm I'm trying to pull up his age here real quick. He was born in thirty three. I think he was born in ninety. He was born in ninety one, October so of ninety one. So he's thirty two right now. God, age is only thirty two. What the. F- fuck it's just it's a tough 12 years he had a tough 12 years did not take very much time off no so he's he's 32 he doesn't move around great i mean he moves around great but he's he's in pain 
And if that's just being a Noah Jr., you know, so be it. But it just seems like that is beneath him. And that's, I mean, that is a shot at Noah just because of the way they handle their juniors. But it's really more of a compliment to Ata. This is a guy who, again, he's the biggest star in Dragon Gate other than Yamato and Kakucha. And I think he's, it's, he's on their level. But he's a non-entity here. It doesn't look like the New Japan thing will happen. I don't know if the, if that was ever in the cards, but it was certainly something that was talked about. I mean, I know people that are not connected to Dragon Gate that were asking me if Ato was going to make the jump to the Super Juniors tournament because it seemed like the writing was on the wall there. I don't I don't know what the next five years of his career looks like. It just doesn't make it. None of it makes any sense unless he really battens down the hatch and says i'm a drangy wrestler but we just had the opposite of that there, there's no chance he's turning back the clock there yeah and it's it's really something that like when he in that cork and match he teases the tope con hello jay points out that he has not done that tope con hello in like seven years when, when that was like such a trademark like we we do need to take the step back and recognize that he wrestled pretty much for 12 straight years, not taking time off, and that accumulates. And it it's necessary it's necessitated a change in his ring style. And some of that can got a little bit tiresome with his heel run, but some of that was necessity at the end of the day. And maybe there's a a fact of his aging and picking up these dings, these dents, that maybe a little bit of it is seeing how the house styles change. And maybe I'm going. I'm reading too much into this. I fully admit that. Like, who's to say that this person has this like existential kind of thing? But maybe it's something where like he sees the young guys and goes like, "I can't, I don't want to do that anymore." <laughs> you know? Well, it's certainly, and I forget who made this point. I, I apologize because it was such a good point. But just on a on a human level, you think about you know the the way humans are motivated. And again, his best, the the closest companion he has in this company from a lineage standpoint, from a, a time of service standpoint, is Maria. But T-Hawk is gone, and Ashita's gone, and Yamamura's gone, and Lindemann's gone. And so H is, you know, he's fucked. He has no generational companion to even motivate him to do anything. And he lost to Yoshioka last year. That was kind of the last thing on the, on the checkmark box. So... He just, he exists, you know, he just exists in this nebulous void. And I don't know where to to go to your point. I'll bring this up real quick. You know, he gets hurt February of 2015. He wrestles one match, uh, February of 2015, gets hurt, uh, misses all of March, all of April, comes back at the end of May. And he has wrestled at least once every month ever since. So that is a, uh, th- that is a road warrior there. And you see a lot of these, uh, these uh, months here, 15, 16, 17, 18 matches a month. That's a, a decade of doing that will add up. Yeah, it's it. it we, we've always talked about like historically the Dragon Gate schedule and how it was a traveling troupe. It was one of the biggest it was one of the biggest schedules of the year, according to how much CMLL one can wrestle. And it gets to a certain point where that that adds up those miles stack up completely and uh so you've got a point now where physically he's not the same and just to reiterate this point one more time he's you know from from a storyline perspective he he kind of has he kind of has nowhere to go uh in, in his current state of being and splitting time with noah and doing that thing where again by all accounts he's super over even if the matches aren't good 
I wish Noah would make him a heavyweight. You know, I think he could hang with Nakajima and Kano, and I think Ata versus Goshiozaki sounds fascinating. I just, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. And so I don't know, again, what the next year of his career looks like, let alone the next five. Yeah, and it's going to be something. It'll be interesting to see how things are looking back from this five years from now in 2028. I wonder if the if everyone is going to be satisfied with everything that had happened. Well, there was one other big storyline thing in Osaka this weekend. It was the semi-main event of the show. Shun Monte, Shun Skywalker, and Diamante teaming up once again, taking on Big Boss Shimizu and Strong Machine J. Uh, Shun won with a mask rip roll-up on Strong Machine J. And then in a match where I don't think I'm over-exaggerating when I say that Shun Monte basically beat the crap out of Natural Vibes for the entirety of it before the mask grip. No, I want to talk about your your, your description is exactly right. I want to talk about Big Boss Shimizu real quick, and then we'll pivot to Shun versus Strong Machine J, okay? Sounds good. Let's do it. What the fuck happened with Big Boss Shimizu? That's my, that's my talking point. <laughs> what the fuck happened? Again, I, I confirmed with you last week, I didn't just make up that he closed the last Corrigan Hall show confronting the Open the Dreamgate champion. And then nothing happened in Kobe, nothing happened in the Kaido, and nothing happens here. And he's from Osaka, and this show was the 10-year anniversary of his debut. And that wasn't even made mention of, at least as far as I can tell. But he debuted May 25th, 2013, against Uha Nation, 10 years, his hometown. He just challenged the Dream Geek champion in a promo, and nothing has happened. And so I now have to ask myself, and this is pure speculation, I, I have not heard anything, did Shimizu do something stupid? Is, is there a reason that this storyline has seemingly been erased and it's stuff that happened behind the scenes? I, I don't... I mean, you you are, you are aware of the reputation that Shimizu has, and I can let you sort of uh, uh, debrief on that in a second, but what is going on here? I don't understand. And that reputation, I wonder if it's playing into this a little bit. So for the longest time, and up until his, uh, his cage match loss, Shimizu had a repu- reputation, and this is not private, I'm not doxing anything, this played out on screen as being kind of a goof and hey, look he he forgot his gear to a pay-per-view and shima beat the shit out of him as a result i mean that's just that's something that happened and that was uh we were told very on brand for shimizu to forget his gear to a pay-per-view right and that was not the only time he did he has done that by the way <laughs> like like that, that that was an issue and it was said uh before that shimizu is known as the person who does not read the room and i'm wondering if that it could have been a little bit of, oh, yeah, no, we want to have someone else up in there. And then Shimizu is just not reading the room. But I also don't think that he would have gotten up and just cut a promo like that. But no, it has no, to be- I, 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 I'm, I'm wondering if something happened after the promo was cut. And again, I know nothing. This is just I'm, I'm trying to put a puzzle together and I feel like half the pieces aren't in the box. Right. And, and it was something that maybe it could have been okay, let's go Shimizu for Kobe World. And they took a step back and says, like, maybe this is something we, this isn't a Kobe World main event. We can go with Yoshioka here 
that's more of a Kobe World main event, and we can do the Shimizu thing later this fall. Well, that that's the alternative. Is if we're if we're under the assumption that King of Gate is going to be, let's say in July, they've set themselves up nicely because Shimizu can win King of Gate and he can headline Dangerous Gate, and I think Kakuta versus Shimizu is a is a worthwhile pay-per-view main event that's not for Kobe World. They could very easily just be playing the long game here, but we've seen enough of Rio Saito's booking to know that's not normally how he books. And man, that's just not the way that it was set up in May. But I you know, crazier things have happened. Maybe Shimizu has a really big summer based off of that promo at the end of the uh, May Corkin show. Yeah, and I mean, you could have him be King of Gate and that's not always saying that you're going to be the immediate Dreamgate champion. Like, and, and you could be. Oh someone no, I don't. I don't, I don't think he would. I don't think he would win the right. belt. Certainly not. Yeah, no. Like, there's justification that he could be a King of Gate winner and immediately get dunked on. I mean, uh, I mean, Kiki Horiguchi, that happened to him, and he wore a tank top about it for a full year afterwards. I, I think it'd be a great place for Kikuta to go post Kobe World because as of now with the with the little build that I've seen I'm I'm convinced Kikuta's winning I think he should win again I have the right to change that opinion coming out of these Korkin shows but I'm I'm sure Kikuta's retaining a world and I do think Shimizu at Dangerous Gate especially if they're doing King of Gate out of that tournament hey that's a good main event you know that that's something I can get into uh, Shimizu was a great sort of second tier challenger and it, it made me start thinking about the current Dragon Gate roster and uh, with uh, with certain guys out of the country, with certain guys hurt, I started looking at just the way the units are laid out. And I, I have a big picture question for you here. I know we're 90 minutes in, but I want to go a little bit longer because I wanted to ask you if this is the most top heavy the Drangate roster has ever been. There seems to be a clear line between these guys as the stars and these guys are not. And Shimizu was Shimizu and Dragon Kid are almost on an island as the only middle ground on this roster. Yeah, there's like no upper middle class right yeah. now. Like the, like that's the way I kind of look at it. That there was a time period not too distant in the in the past where very easily you had people like this was this was the uh the class of which Sumu Sasumu Yokosuka basically spent his entire career, you yeah. know, like, and there's the, there's just not that much of an opportunity. Maybe there is an argument, at least not amongst the international fans, but at least locally and within the company that KZ probably deserves to be on that tier versus being a full fledged, like super main eventer, you know, like that's, the, a, that's an interesting argument. Yeah, because it's. This is a role that take a look at Dragon Kid. Dragon Kid never won any of the top titles in Torimon or Dragon Gate because he never had to. You could constantly build him up, beat him down. They spent three years basically setting a groundwork that he was able to do into 2023. Like you, you have a role there that is that develops over time almost, and I wonder that. They have been kind of backdoor doing that timing for KZ. Yeah, that's that's certainly a, a, an interesting argument. I I don't I I still think KZ need, uh, would be benefited by a Dreamgate run. I just think that window is closing. Uh, I I don't know if it'll ever happen, but I, I'm certainly rooting for it. Let me ask you though. I mean, who are the 
who are the upper mid carters on this roster? You know, if you want to throw in KZ, sure. If you want to throw in Dragon Kid, sure. I think I think there's a part of the international audience that overrates the popularity of KZ and underrates the popularity of Dragon Kid. So for the sake of yes. the argument, we'll just throw them both in the bucket. So I would put Shimizu in there. I'd put Dragon Kid in there. I'd put KZ in there. And I guess I'd put Strong Machine J there now? Well, Maybe? Well, Strong Machine J is big six, and that changes everything. Okay, yeah. L- would, would, like, you put, would you put Diamante on that list? Yes, right now, absolutely. He is upper mid-class. Uh, okay. Dragon Daya, upper mid-class. Now I look at him as a star. I look at him if if uh, above that dividing line. He's in D-Courage. I think that really matters. I just, you, you know, I think that that ceiling that he's been able to break through, that there still is, like, that top-line ceiling that I, I'm going to wonder about for him. Uh, other... Uh, uh, upper mid class guys right now it gets kind of i i after after my suggestion dia hulk probably upper middle class right now although really he should not be considered that but you know just because of big six you know former Dreamgate champion former top guy you can't dip that low i would say i, I i'd put him below just because of his box office numbers but I, i'm not gonna fight that too hard that totally fair totally fair there and you kind of get to a point where is Masaki Mochizuki in that class now? Uh, no, I, okay. I would, if we want to break down M3K, I would put Masaki Mochizuki above the line of being a star. I would put Kanda and Susumu Mochizuki below the line. Susumu has everything after the Kai match last year. He's finally fallen out of the spot that was his for so long and is now in that mid card, lower mid card, still important, you know, still a legend still has respect, but just it, it's like with that loss against Kai, it's like they sucked away some of the luster that he had. Yeah, no. And I, I, I largely agree with you. I, I, I think that he basically made the, the, this might as well be called the Susumu, uh, Yokosuka line because he's made his career being on one side or the other of it, but now he is notably below it. I think that, the the problem is when I like look at this, like the person that I'm grappling with is Dragon Gate really in a lot of ways. Ata should be considered this way, but Ata's too big of a start, even though you can't book him in a certain way. Like I don't know how to square up his pluses and minuses. Yes, he's a star, but is he a star to you right now? Or do you consider him that level of star? I don't know with what happened this week. I consider him a star, but I also I consider Drangate to be an island, and Ata is a completely separate island on a different coast. I just don't there's I don't know what to do with that. Right, yeah. So here is the spicy one case that I'm gonna throw at you. Ultimo. Where is he on that line? Oh, he's below the line. I I mean they, they I don't think they can seriously put that's why I advocate for the mask versus mask match to be in Mexico. I don't think they can seriously put Ultimo in any sort of match that means anything and see any sort of payoff from it. I mean, you know, as I, I, I mean, you know, cause I, I think about this dividing line as, you know, guys that can challenge for the dream gate and guys that can't. And if Ultimo was another guy of similar popularity, no, he is not challenging for the dream gate belt. There's no, no way that happens. I just wonder though, he has so much cachet that no, you don't, you can't give him a Dreamgate shot. But he could be considered on that tier, though. But I does he? I mean, his 35th anniversary show 
bombed. Oh, it absolutely bombed, but it doesn't change how the company handles him, though. Like, well, the honestly, company puts more value in him than the fans do. Everyone else, everyone else. Like, like yeah. let's be honest, everyone. Which else. I, which I get. Again, I, I'm, I'm pro Ultimo. You know, I think his undercard matches. Again, he's oftentimes in meaningless eight-man tags, and I think he's a net positive. I don't have any issue with him being around, but I also he means he means more to every promotion in the world than he does to the Dragon Gate fan base. Yeah, like and and that's like the wild thing is that he is the biggest star in the promotion who's absolutely not a star to the promotion. It's I don't know if there I, I don't know if there's ever been somebody in that scenario before where Right. It's fascinating. I, yeah, they're they're a legend and I understand why Drangate treats him the way that they do, and I think they should. I think I would be in a similar position if I was booking the company. I, I would have Ultimo doing a, a very similar thing to what he's doing now. But it's weird because who gives a shit kinda? Oh no. It you're entirely justified in saying who gives a shit up uh, here is one that I think that I can see the argument either way. Naruki Doi. Doi's a star. Uh, you, you could headline any show with Doi and I think people would come to it. You see, I don't know if he is anymore. I think they maybe made that conscious decision that they don't think he's a star. Uh, Man, I don't know. His crowd reactions are pretty big, and they're they're putting him in big matches. I, I think they I think they still consider him to be a star. There's a reason they are keeping him around on the deal he has, and not just saying, "Okay, you can go be an All Japan Pro Wrestling guy." You know, we we they want him around. I'm under the impression he has the same kind of deal as Kanichiro Rai does, but you, you you can tell the difference there. Yeah, but they're you know? not booked the same. Right? You know exactly. I okay, guess. well that's 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 an interesting question for the Discord. Who it, you know, if you're laying this out like a like a TW or an EWR game, who's in your Drangate mid uh, upper mid card right now? Because to me, the upper mid card and above are the guys that can realistically challenge for the Dreamgate belt and have it mean something. And I I haven't sat down and drawn out that list, but I think that list is smaller than it's been in a very, very long time. And I think there's talent on the roster. I think there's depth on the roster. I just don't think it's at the top of the card. No, it's, but I mean, that's part of this generation change is getting people up to that. Like I consider Strong Machine J a part of that mix, even though, you know, he's not. The, the, like he is the sixth in the big six and that's going to be his storyline but he's been stated so much to be a part of it so i consider i add him to that list like he's it, his is the fascinating one between like what they say and they intentionally say this like this isn't like a misstep and how it's perceived yeah yeah very true so we think a, a chance to really talk about strong machine J. I think they're going to do him versus Shun at Kobe World. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's the the this semi main event was my match of the show. I thought this was a lot of fun just because of how divergent it was from what you would expect and how much they let Shumante completely just run rough shot over uh, natural vibes in that. Yeah, I you know I, I guess we haven't really talked about the match quality in those Osaka show. I mean, I, I like Tanaka's debut quite a bit. I I like the main event. 
Uh, and then I, I, I thought this match was okay, but it was it's not a show that I would recommend really outside of the Tanaka match. I think just knowing Kakuta challenged Yoshioka, and then you have this Natural Vibes Zebrats match where uh, Natural Vibes gets beat up pretty bad, and at the end of the match, Shun rips off Strong Machine J's mask and pins him. I think that's, to me, that's all you need to know about this show. Yeah, it was, I went three and three quarters for this one. I wow, just okay. really... I was fascinated with the whole brawl and just like this had a different tenor than typical Zebrats match and then also really typical Shunmonte matches. It, I thought that uh, Strong Machine J looked great selling. I thought that Shimizu did a solid job as well. And I thought that it's something that this match is just very kind of different. And I, and that left an impression on me, I'd say. I- Look, I think it's a credit to Shun. We're we're seeing him, you know, nearly three years after his return from Mexico, and he was very interesting before that excursion, but he he's continued to do unique and interesting things ever since November of 2020. You know, leading Masquerade, he had all of those great matches. He has post-Dreamgate Masquerade, where he's he's starting to turn on his friends, and it leads to the mask versus mask match where Dragon Dia loses the mask. And that was, you know, Shun just being this brilliant storyteller. You see him go full heel. Uh, you see him and Shun Monte have a great summer last year into this Dreamgate run this year. And now coming out of the Dreamgate run, you know, I I had a lot of questions about what Shun would look like without the title. You know, still being crazy, still being demented, still being Zebrat Shun, but losing the main world title in the promotion i go okay well that's that's a step down for his character i wonder how he's going to react and he's gone straight into this program with strong machine j it's another new layer for him and it's another situation in which i think he's knocking it out of the park yeah and it's something for him like in a lot of ways that this shun strong machine j storyline is interesting in the way that you know, Strong Machine J being the sixth of the big six and Shun with his character, it's him doing this when this match in a lot of ways felt like it was like a message to Ultimo in a way. And I mean, Diamante grabbed the microphone right afterwards and just cut a blistering promo ending with him like shouting mano a mano, he wants a match. And I thought that this Shun doing this kind of in a secondary role, I thought was really fascinating as well. Yeah, I agree. So I'm into this. They will have a uh, singles match at the upcoming Cork and Hall show, the second of the two, and Mike, or uh, sorry, the uh, the first of the two. They're going to wrestle on Thursday. And uh, Mike, I think it's time we talk about these Cork and Hall shows real quick. Absolutely. As also this Thursday, June 1st, Cork and free for all on the Dragon Gate Network. They fired off a tweet reminding this just like 10 minutes ago. So Free for everyone with English commentary both nights. Starting off on Thursday, opener, Gold Class, Kota Minora and Minorita versus Eita and La Estrella. Match two, Jason Lee, UT, Jackie Funky Kame and Natural Vibes versus unaffiliated veterans, Ginky Horiguchi, Sachi Hoko Boy, and Kagatora. Match eight, this is an interesting, real interesting pairing here. Uh, unaffiliated, Don Fuji, Punch Tomonaga, returning Ryu Fuda, and Daiki Yanagiuchi versus Zebrats, Diamante, Kai, Hyo, and Ishin. Match four, M2K, Masaki, Mochizuki, Susumu, Mochizuki, and Zushi, Kanda versus Shuji, Kondo, Takashi, Yoshida, and Problem Dragon. Match five, KZ, Big Boss, Shimizu versus Binkei and BB Hulk. The aforementioned 
special singles match between Strong Machine J and Shunsai Skywalker is the semi-main event for Thursday. And then the main event, as we talked about earlier in the program, D-Courage, Madoka Kuda, Yuki Yoshioka, and Dragon Daya versus Yamato, Dragon Kid, and Naruki Doi. Kind of a interesting show just matchup-wise, let alone the storyline implications of my first look. Uh, first four matches don't do a ton for me. I mean, H and Estrella teaming is interesting just because it's H and Estrella and those are two walking question marks. I'm I'm very annoyed that Punch is in the eight-man tag. It's Fuji, Punch, Fuda, and Yanagiuchi versus Zebrats. I, would, I mean, think about that match with Tanaka in it instead of Punch. I'm very, very annoyed about that. Or I know he's still on the list, but Kato in this? Kato Orton is Nagano's not on these shows, is he? Nagano's not on these shows. No, he's not. Yeah, that's uh, God. That's yeah. I real. I I don't like that. There's. Uh, I think Alan made the point in the Discord today. There's just. There's a lot of scrubs on the shows right now. Uh, in the the Punch Tamanaga vein, and specifically him, I just I I have very very little patience for right now. It doesn't look like Nagano is on the Kobe show either. So maybe he's hurt. I wish they would be a little bit more transparent about their injuries, but nevertheless, he's not on there. Punch is, uh, but KZ and Shimizu versus Hulk and Ben. That sounds fun. Uh, and then strong machine and Shun and Kakuta Yoshioka and Daya versus Yamato drank kid and Doi. Those are, those are two. That's a great semi main event right there and a great main event. So I'm into that. Yeah. I just like Ata, like, like you said it double question marks there that that gives me a little bit of that uh, match too. Doesn't I, as much as I like that natural vibes team, I just like Alan talked about a lot of the chaff at the bottom of the card. Something that's really kind of, I've noticed over the last few weeks with me and it's not necessarily the fact that I can go on cage match case and pull up and be like, okay, this happened so many times. It's just like spiritually and like emotionally, I feel like I've seen this match too five times. Yeah, there I I am developing an issue with natural vibes that is unfair, but that unit is so stacked, I think for the sake of the company, it needs to start getting broken up because not having Jason being able to wrestle Jackie and having UT in there in the same unit with guys that kind of do his thing. I think it's it's becoming a negative. I love that unit. I in a perfect world they never break up, but in the current landscape I think they need to break up just to spread that talent out a little bit. And they need to break it up because you have like these un- unaffiliated teams that like there's been combinations of like these three guys, two of them and someone else. Yep. Like constantly. Like like, like that's the other side of the coin of this. Right. Like when you have like units that are this power that are just this top heavy or entering heavy and dominate like that, then you don't have them outside of that. And uh, along the same lines, we've talked about Zebrats and the position it's in there. Like, I feel like that, like seeing like the combinations of the these teams, we've seen a lot of it or spiritually have seen a lot of it. And it's starting to wear a little bit for sure. All right. So looking at Friday, June 2nd uh, opener. Uh, Masaki Mochizuki, Don Fuji, and Naruki Doi versus Minorita, Daiki Yanagiuchi, and Roya Tanaka Case. They have to stop doing this to poor Minorita. He's not a rookie anymore. He should not be in a rookie versus vets match. It's fucked up, but this match is going to kick ass, so I'm going to allow it. Oh, it's going to rule. I mean, do we think that Masaki Mochizuki could 
kick one of these guys into low Earth orbit? Yes, one hundred. Yes, that's a realistic possibility. Yeah, no. So that that's what I'm pulling for here. Uh, going down the rest of this card for the second UT and Ho Ho Loon versus Problem Dragon and Punch Nomanaga singles match. Kagatora versus La Estrella. Uh, then we have Gold Class versus Yamato, Eita, and Takashi Yoshida. Uh, semi main event. Oh, that's no, not semi main event. Smash five. Madoka Kakuda and Dragon Kid versus Yuki Yoshioka and Dragon Daya. D Courage explodes yet again, and he's teaming with Daya's mentor. That's cold hip hop. Uh, semi main event, 10 man tag. These don't happen very often in Dragon Gate nowadays, but 10 man tag, natural vibes, KZ, Big Boss, Shimizu. Jason Lee, Straw Machine J, and Jackie Funky Kamei versus Shun Skywalker, Diamante, Kai, Hyo, and Ishin. And the main event for the Open the Twin Gate title is Congo, Noah's Congo, Kano, and Shuji Kondo defending against Dragon Gate's original tag team, Susumu Mochizuki and Azushi Kanda. I think the first show could peak higher with those last two matches, but I like this card overall uh, way more. Yeah, whereas you you were saying the first four matches, the undercard of night one, were really kind of lacking. There's only like one match here on this show that you you kind of have that uh feeling about, right? Yeah, yeah. And the the UT Ho Ho uh, Problem Dragon Punch, that'll be quick. That's you know, I, one of those a show when they lump them all together that doesn't bother me. That match will be four minutes. Uh, Ho Ho and UT will look good. Problem Dragon and Punch will look like Problem Dragon and Punch. We'll move on with our lives. That doesn't bother me. Yeah, and we're gonna move on right into Kagatora versus La Estrella, the giant question mark of a matchup of the weekend. Yeah. So let me ask you two questions before we go. One, who wins the Twin Gate match? I think it's uh, you have sold me over the months months that uh, Mochizuki and Kanda should win it here. Re- oh, okay. Re- you think, okay. I, I think Kongo's going to win it, but go ahead, sell me on M3K. Because my idea has always been Kano and Kondo wrestle the Mochizuki's father and son at World if Junior's healthy. I think we just go straight to that and just have that as Mochizuki. I think we have the M3K thing. We go straight to it at Kobe World. Interesting. Okay. Okay. I, I like that idea. You know, Junior was... At ringside for the Tanaka debut, he was at ringside for the M3K matches. I know we tweeted out a few days ago. He is clear to train again, and his recovery has gone sooner than expected. So, I'm I. It, it would really suck with the year that he's had for him to not be on Kobe World. So I really hope he's back in time for that show. And I think if he is, he'll be in a big match. So fingers crossed there. Let me ask you before we go. Final question: Which of these shows do you think is going to draw better? Night two. Okay. Night two. And that's mostly because traditionally night twos on a back-to-back or a triple shot, they they build up attendance-wise very rarely. In Dragon Gate does the first night outdraw the second. Yeah, traditionally that's the case. I asked that question because I night one, it's a big D Courage main event and a Shun Skywalker singles match. I would not be surprised if you know, night one does 1,200 and night two does 1,100. I, I just think we, we have to have that on our radar. Yeah, and I guess, like, I look at the fact that uh, Noah, like, Kano has been a, such a blast coming in, but there's been no real evidence that 
there has been any crossover that Noah fans are coming to show up to see Noah people appear in Dragon Gate. So that th- that does add some credence to your idea. Yeah, I look, I, I'm looking forward to these shows again. I, I like the night two card more, but I'm excited for the stuff that matters on night one. I will have written reviews of both these shows at Voices of and we'll be back at this time next week to talk about these shows and a uh, a Kobe Sambo Hall show that I don't think is worth previewing. Uh, it might not even be worth watching. I think that's my preview of that show. I am. So I looked early to see that Royal Sambo show because I was trying to figure out what the main event of this is. Yeah, that's a that's a rough show. That's Wait, let me, real let me, rough. Let me go through it real quick. So I got the card pulled up. So this is Sunday. This is June 4th. This is Kobe Sambo Hall. It's Yamato, Fuji, Endoi versus Dragon Kid, Kagator, and Eita. Konamami, Chikawa versus Problem Dragon. A Royal Sambo Battle Royal with Genki, Takashi Yoshida, Punch Tamanaga, Ho-Ho Loon, La Estrella, Ryo Fuda, Daiki Yanagiyuchi, Diamante, Hyo, and Ishin. Ugh. Uh, match four is Gold Class versus Masaki Mochizuki, Susumu Mochizuki, Yasushi Kanda, and Ryoya Tanaka. That match I like. Uh, match five, Strong Machine J and UT versus Shun Skywalker and Kai. So I don't think the issue between Shun and Strong Machine J is going away anytime soon. And main event, D-Courage versus KZ, Big Boss Shimizu, and Jason Lee. Oh, that undercard. Yeah, and... I don't think there are as many UT Kai Sickos in Kobe as there are in Fort Worth, Texas. No, that that's a match for the Chicago demographic and for the Fort Worth demographic. You and I uh, very out, outspoken about how good Kai and UT work together. That could be a great match. Again, those the, you know last last three matches. All right, I'm I'm game for those. Tanaka with M3K. That's interesting, but ugh, that uh, first three matches. I I don't know, man. I kind of hope that they let Tanaka come out on a scooter and give him a jacket for this. I, I'm i sure if they don't do it here, that will be an angle going forward. Yeah, but oh, as much as I love Stalker, I don't think that a Stalker comedy match with Problem Dragon would be what I would put on that show. No. Well, Case, I we went a little long here today. Uh, anything else that you want to touch on before we get out of here? No, no, that's all I've got this week. All right, so thanks to everyone for listening. If you want to support the show, the best way you can do that is to go to our redcircle.com site. You click the box, you sponsor this podcast, you can set up a one-time or reoccurring donation as well. The best way to help people find Open the Voice Gate is to rate and review us on the podcast platform of your choice. We don't understand how the algorithms work, but we know that those matter. And you could follow us on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. Cases that underscore in your case. I'm at Fujiheya. Thanks for listening to Open Voice Gate. We'll be back with you next week talking about two nights in Corkin Hall and Kobe Sambo Hall. Take care, everyone. Hola, hola. My name is Ricardo. I am the host of the Lucha Jovers podcast here in the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. We are a Spanish-speaking show dedicated to discussing and analyzing pro wrestling from all across the world. From AW to CMLL, we talk about American wrestling, Japanese wrestling, and of course, Lucha Libre. If something big happened in the pro wrestling world, we will talk about it. So if you know Spanish or have a friend that knows Spanish or want to practice your Lucha Libre pronunciations, go listen to the Lucha Jovers podcast right here in the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Nos vemos por ahí. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. 
Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.